ready to grow your business by building relationships online and offline? Are you looking for a system to attract new prospects and nurture your past clients? Maybe you're a business owner, a sales professional, or an entrepreneur. If you are, then great. Join me, Janice Porter, as we blast past your barriers to success and explore the power of relationships for your business. And welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Relationships Rule Show. My name is Janice Porter, and I have two special guests today. I don't very often have two people on at the same time, but this is a special occasion and a special team of people. They are um, John David Mann and his wife, Anna Gabriel Mann. And I just want to tell you a little bit about both of them. And I mean a little bit because there is so much more that can be told about these amazing people. John, you may have heard of, is a co-author of more than 30 books, including four New York Times bestsellers and five national bestsellers. But the book that I remember and know him for is the 2008 classic. It's a parable called The Go-Giver that he co-authored with Bob Berg and earned the 2017 Living Now Book Awards Evergreen Medal for its contribution to positive global change. And it's a book that that I read um, on my journey in business. And um, it, it was really, um, it, it kind of hit, hit a nerve for me because it's that the story in there, but we're not talking about that book today, but it is, it is noted that it's, Anyway, just it's in my heart. So, and Anna earned her degree in clinical psychology before going on to serve as an educator, therapist, corporate trainer, speaker, and coach. And I think she's also a dancer, if I recall. Is dancing <laughs> somehow in your... I did did dance professionally in my 20s. Yeah, I knew that. Okay. Um, So she currently coaches Go-Giver Marriage clients and leads the Go-Giver Marriage Coaches training program, training coaches from all over the globe. And John and Anna have been dreaming about writing the Go-Giver Marriage together for nearly two decades. And this is the book that they have just recently um, launched and that we're going to dig into a little bit today. First of all, welcome, 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 welcome to the show. Both Thank, you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Great You're to be welcome. here. You're very welcome. And um, I have to say that, you know, the, the few lines that you sent me for a bio of each of you is nothing to what I saw online. Oh my goodness, John, you've got zillions of books. And, and um, not only that, I found out that you, I think you were a child prodigy. You were a classical musician, right? And you learned, um, I think, how to conduct because your father was a conductor. Is that correct? This is true. Carl Conductor. Yes, he was. And and you started a school when you were in school yourself? Yeah, when I was 17, uh, a group of friends and I started our own high school, which, which, which was pretty successful. We went on and graduated students there who went to Yale and Harvard and all kinds I of places. Know, that's what blew me away because it sounds like the, you know, the, the alternate school, right? The, the yes. didn't, couldn't fit into the system or didn't like the system at the time and one yep. thing. But yeah, I think that you've been, you, you've been here before because you had so many <laughs> already that I am just in awe of the things that you've done. So, yeah. And, and yet, have you written all the way along? Like when you were a kid? Really? 
You know, I've written all the way along, but in, in, you know, functionally for things like newsletters and, and brochures. And I, I was the guy who was editing other people's articles and other things. And I spent over 10 years as an editor, as a professional editor in a handful of business journals. I didn't start writing my own books uh, until I was in, in my 50s. It's, it's, it's the second half of my life career. Yes, so I, I, yes. I, re, I restart, I re, rebooted, I rebooted myself. Well, and that's funny because like I love editing, but more the spell check and the grammar thing. Ah. I can't stand it. I, I correct things when I see them on, on walls and yes. stores and things like that. But writing is not um, uh, something that comes easily to me. So how, how do you marry those two? Like, are they completely separate parts of your brain or I'm just. Yeah. I mean, they are, but but here's the thing. I think that for for writing, for for professional writing or career writing, or let's just say being a writer, there are already two halves to it because you've got the part which is originating the material, which is creating the material, whether it's fiction or it's nonfiction. The right brain. Uh, Yeah, it's more of the right brain. You're actually creating the flow of the thing. And you know, there's there are so many sayings in writer circles that the first draft is garbage and so on, and and they're all true. Typically, the first draft of something, it, it contains seeds of some good stuff, but a lot of it is dross. And so you kind of have to put it away in a drawer and come back to it tomorrow or next week and take it out with a completely different mindset <laughs> and say, okay, now how do we turn this, this crusty, muddy pebble into a diamond? Um, you know, the saying is, write when you're drunk, edit while sober. <laughs> and it's, it's something like that. Sure. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. This book, I want to start talking about your book, The Go-Giver Marriage, because when we first spoke, I said that my audience isn't going to be interested in that. We're talking business talk. We're talking relationships in business, not marriage. I don't want to get, because to be honest, I don't like talking about stuff like that. So <laughs> we were supposed to meet a while ago and it didn't happen for various reasons. And we finally get to meet today. And I said to Anna, when we first got on the the call we were supposed to meet today for a reason because I finally read the book and I'm so glad that I did because it's my new favorite book and why is because first of all you write the so if I could just take my version of what I know to be true is that you both did your own half of the book and John wrote the parable or the story in the first half of the book and then Anna did the explanations and the training, so to speak, the 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 um, uh, the pieces that you can practically go and work on yourself in a marriage and in a relationship, and um, and so you each have your specialties in what you do. I have to confess that the um, <laughs> the I found myself after I read the book, being conscious of how I was speaking to my husband. Mm -hmm. And I did, I did, I know I did one thing yesterday that he kind of looked because I said, we had played bridge the night before, and we play bridge as partners. And we fight all the time as partners because we're very different. But I always like that if we finish playing bridge, we were playing online, it's competitive. And that we do a little um, debrief after, because that's how I learn. I learn from the mistakes that we made. And I learn from, you know, if we've done it this way, whatever. And he hates doing that. 
And after bridge that night, he actually agreed to look at a couple of hands that we could have done differently. And so yesterday, two days later, or the day after, I said to him, by the way, I really appreciated you taking the time and, and doing the debrief with us after, because I really, really appreciated that. And he looked at me and he said, oh yeah, okay, you're welcome. And it was like, so easy, right? But I don't think that way. So yeah, that came from reading <laughs> your book. So I just wanted to share that with you. So um, tell my audience um, the premise of the book, whoever wants to, I, either of you can just give us the little whatever you want them to know without too much, you know, because I want them to go and buy it. Yeah. Who's, who's first? You. I'm first, okay. Well, I, I love what I, you said. I think, it, I think it relates to the go-giver and the, the, yes. con, the, con, the conceiving of the go-giver and the extension of that into there was a content. There was a continuity there. <clears throat> By the way, I love what you said, Janice. You said this thing of, after reading the book, you became conscious of how you talk to your husband. And that's absolute, that makes us both smile because that's the goal of the book. You know, an awful lot of what we're doing with the book is just in, in, encouraging people, leading people to become more aware and more conscious of, of just how, how they're behaving in their relationship. However, um, can I just add one thing to that, if I may, that, um, but you do it in a way, your book is easy to read. And, um, and I have to say the parable part, I couldn't wait to find out more. I felt myself wanting more. So, you know, to keep going and find out what happens at the end, the story was great. And I remember that with the go-giver too. So yeah, go ahead. Um, this is, this is why they call it a page turner. <laughs> so there is there is as we've said there was a continuity with the with the original go giver the book that, that you know you pointed yes. out came out in 2008 yes. so we're going on almost two you know a lot of decades here um the premise of the original go giver which is built as a business parable although really it's kind of a life parable right. because people have used the go giver in application to all kinds of spheres outside of just the business world but it really was addressed to business people entrepreneurs um managers leaders corporate people, anybody. The premise of the go-giver is that when you shift your focus from a focus on what can I get out of this situation to what can I give in this situation? How can I add value to this other person's life? Not as an act of nobility or sainthood, but simply as a pragmatic question. How can I just shift my focus to, to, to being contribution? That that shift produces success for both of you for yourself as well as that person, that there are ample rewards for the person who is looking out for other people. Well, and naturally, if it doesn't come naturally, people can feel that. And the interesting thing is that it does come naturally so readily because what we've heard over the years, the many, many years of, of you know, over a million copies of the book have sold. So like thousands and thousands of people have responded to it. And they tell us things like, this all felt like me. It all felt like it was so great to read because it was like, this is the way I always thought I thought, but mm -hmm. I didn't have the words for it. You know, yes. um, we don't get a lot of people saying this felt really weird and I didn't like doing this at all. No, people really want to be, they want to feel like they're making a contribution. They want to feel like their life makes a positive difference in other people's lives. Mm -hmm. But so many of us have been brought up, have been brought up to think in this kind of zero sum mentality which is that if I look out for you, then who's going to look out for me? If I help you, then, hey, I'm left high and dry. Reality isn't that way. We live in an abundant universe. The truth of it is 
that, you know, Zig Ziglar said it eons ago. You can get whatever you want as long as you help enough other people get whatever they want. So when the first draft of The Go-Giver came spitting out of my little desktop printer back in 2005, which is when, it, when we first drafted it, Anna picked it up because she's my first reader. Everything I've ever written, she's my first reader, my best reader. Um, she gives it a critical eye, an appreciative and critical eye. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she picked up the manuscript and she said, this is great. This is the way we are with each other. This would be a great book about marriage. In 2005, and you said 2005. That. So the seed of this book was almost two decades ago, was, was right there uh, with my desktop printer. And we've wanted to do this. Anna had the vision for this book then. We wanted to do it ever since. But the premise of the book is basically that when you approach your relationship with a spirit of generosity, mm -hmm. when you do it consciously and consistently, and we show lots of little ways to do that in the book. When you approach your relationship with a spirit of generosity, the whole tone of the relationship shifts and starts to be, become one of co-creation and positivity. A lot of problems that exist, I hesitate to say miraculously drop away, but they kind of miraculously drop away. <laughs> a lot of issues that arise just kind of dissolve, uh, take care of themselves when you, when you shift the the tone mm -hmm. of the relationship and you notice i'm saying relationship not just marriage because it does apply to other relationships yeah. oh most definitely most definitely and um thank you and um anna your background is psychology and and um that um therapy and so on right but you you sort of shifted to more coaching and and uh training i think now is that correct well, I'm doing a lot of coaching. You know, you're th once you've been a therapist for 40 years, it kind of never leaves you. Oh, of course, of course. And it, and it really informs your coaching because I think I'm a better coach because of that, because I listen with different ears. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel that, um, you know, part of what happens in therapy is sometimes people will want to circle the emotional barn over and over and over again. And it's not that our emotions and our feelings and our experiences aren't important. They are. But the question that's always at hand in terms of changing a relationship is what are you bringing to the relationship and how are you going to shift the way you are in the relationship? Because that's what will really change the relationship. What happens in relationships often is people are kind of standing with their hands on their hips saying, what can I get from this? They're trying to get love from the relationship instead of actually realizing that if you take the time to express and give love, mm -hmm. and, and that's in many, many forms, mm -hmm. um, as, we, as we lay out in the mm -hmm. five secrets, mm -hmm. um, when you are in that mode of giving and being generous in the relationship, it's like a boomerang. It comes back to you no matter what. There's no processing necessary. You don't have to sit down with a counselor. Mm -hmm. And often the other thing that I observe in a lot of, of relationships is that um, it's kind of like boss employee in a lot of situations. And let's just say that um, one of you is more controlling and wants things a little more perfect, wants the kitchen cleaned up just this way or that way, wants the toilet paper rolled this way or that way, um, you know, that there's just a little more demanding going on on one side of the fence. Mm -hmm. What happens with the other person? 
and I don't want to make it sound like it's just men or just women, but let's just say it's the man. He's going to slowly back up in the relationship. He's going to do less and he's going to back up. And the reason he's going to back up is because he's just like a 10 year old boy. He just wants to stay out of trouble. (laughs) He doesn't want to get called on the carpet. So when you are in that place of demanding or trying to, or, or controlling or trying to get your needs met, mm-hmm. um, you are constantly putting stress on the other person that if you approached it in the opposite way mm-hmm. of being generous with them and letting them know when they've done things that you totally love and appreciate, letting them know, you know, doing little things for them, like bringing them a glass of, of wine in the afternoon or a cup of tea Mm-hmm. Um, or doing something that's just a generous little moment between you where you attend to them. Mm-hmm. Those are the moments when, you know, they kind of, it changes the whole dynamic of the, of the relationship. So, and, and, and I know that I think, um, I think it's in the book where you talk about, because I know this to be true, that in order for things to change, you have to change yourself, right? You're the, you have to deal with you, then the other things will start to come into play as you just described. And if the person that is the controller or is the, the, the one that's um, more demanding, so to speak, if they know that and then, but they don't change, they think they're trying, but they're not changing. It's almost like, is there something deeper that they need to deal with that? I mean, you you have to look inward, right? You have to look inward. That is a seriously powerful question because we, we have often started a lot of podcasts by saying that no one escapes childhood without some wounds. And what we mean by that specifically is that your parents and your, your primary family teaches you about intimate relationships and it teaches you about who operates with power and who has less power. It teaches you, um, you know, all those things. And a lot of us had a parent who was critical and demanding. And, you know, and, and that person typically grows up to either be to, you know, yeah, or the commanding, critical and demanding, or they attract somebody who's critical and demanding. Mm -hmm. And that's almost the worst, because then they've moved in with mom, you know, (laughs) and, and, you know, and, and it's not fun to move in with mom when you were hoping you were moving in with your, you know, sexy girlfriend or your, or, you know, it's, uh, it's just that we really do attract the very things that we need to work out. Yeah. Yeah. So true. So there are five secrets in this book that you teach about and, um, and it's first taught through the story of the um, people in the couples in the, in the, um, uh, in the stories and the advice that they get from the, is it the professor? Yeah. The professors. And, um, and then those five um, secrets are talked about separately by you, Anna, in with um, explanations and ways to um, put those into practice, so to speak. And I think, do you also, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to just mention them, appreciate, attend, allow, believe, and grow. And as I, as I look at those five, we'll call them secrets, those five secrets, um, it really is about um, paying attention closely to how you operate in the world and how um, what you put out there comes back tenfold. You know, um, we have a 
a saying at um, send out cards a company that I'm affiliated with that our um, uh, CEO and founder Cody Bateman talks about all the time and he talks about um, two things one um, send out to give not to get which we just talked about giving not send out to give not to get and that's in personal and in business of course um, when you send cards out when you send whatever you send out, whenever you offer people, make it come from the heart and you don't expect anything in return. And, um, and secondly, the stories in your mind become the stories of your life. And that one stuck with me a lot because when people complain about things that aren't working in their marriage or in their business or whatever, change the story, change the story. You can do it. You know, it does sound simple, but what do you say to that? Either of you. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the story part because the truth of it is, you know, not only do I tell stories for a living, but we all tell stories. Uh, and, and it's not just change the story, but first become aware of the story. Become aware that you have a story. Uh, often what happens is in any point of conflict, in any situation where there's stress, we will start to project onto the other person. In the absence of communication, we'll project onto the other person our interpretation of what they're doing, what they're thinking, why they're doing this, where they're coming from. And usually it's because they're, because we're the victim of whatever terrible thing they're doing. And the truth of it is nine times out of 10, or maybe 99 out of a hundred, that's not what's going on at all. We just don't know uh, because, because we're not communicating in the absence of communication, trust evaporates. You can't have ongoing trust without ongoing communication. So, Uh, So yeah, that's, you know, a lot of that business about the story with the go-giver marriage, one reason we started out with the story is because these stories are the stuff of relationship. We're telling each other stories. In a way, what you do when you start practicing these five secrets, you start choosing what stories you're going to tell, not just yourself, but the other person. Mm, That's true, I'm sure. Well, and there's a lot of aspects of this story that are autobiographical for us. Okay. John and I both have children with special needs. As the couple Um, in the book do. Yes, I've been a therapist for close to 40 years and was a um, was a professor at, at a large university teaching at the graduate level. Um, and I did decide to close my clinical practice as a therapist and become a coach and not to work with couples, but to work with individuals, yeah. um, because really the only person that can change the relationship is you. And the question is, what are you bringing? And are you going to, you know, are you going to bring the stuff that actually builds the relationship or are you going to bring the stuff that tears the relationship down mm. and they really are distinctly different and one of the things that I, I want to mention is that in the back of the book we not only mention the five secrets and discuss them in great detail and there's client content with clients that were generous enough to let us share parts of their story um, but there's also um, the opposite of every secret Yes, and the, and the opposite of every secret are those are the behaviors that tear relationships apart. Yeah. Um, and so it really you, you, you know, you can get the blueprint for which way you're going pretty cleanly in the back of the book. It's funny when you were talking about uh, communication. Um, I, I was with my little granddaughter yesterday and when she's she's got a lot of vocabulary for a three year old, but some of the time she chooses, you know, to fight you and, you know, like with whatever it is you want her to do and she doesn't want to do it and, or she wants to do something, but she doesn't communicate it. And I'm always saying to her, use your words, Amara, use your words because she's got them. 
She's just choosing to not use them at this time. She's smart as a whip. But anyway, it just makes me think we start young with that, you know. And that is the same thing that happens in marriages where they come from the place of emotion first. Yeah. And they, they, the words are out the window. Yeah. <laughs> so do, do, um, do you both or either like separately have a special um, story that has come to you from the book that people have written you? Or is there any one thing that sticks out that you'd like to share that um, the book has done for somebody that they've shared with you? I'm sure you've got lots of stories. You get to go first on it this time. Okay. Yeah. We do have a lot of stories. You had one today on your phone call with the. I did. I did. <laughs> I, I have a really fun story from a, a dear friend of mine who was um, married at 19 in an arranged marriage. Huh. And they, um, they came out of Indian culture where arranged marriages are very common. Um, they didn't argue with their parents at all. They, they did meet each other and they were, you know, both open to being married to each other, but it was an arranged marriage. And in Indian culture, the man is really the dominant one. He runs the family. He tells the wife what to do. She is really in the subservient role of, of providing, you know, comfort and care to the husband, taking, being the complete caretaker of the children, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, this was a young woman and they were, you know, in America and she wanted to have a career and she wanted to have a life that was bigger. And she wanted to have some sense of control over her, her marriage and, um, and over her relationships. So they got together and, you know, they've had a happy marriage. They have three children. They've been together for, you know, 20 some years now. So it's not as if it hasn't gone well. Um, but when they approached us and told us the dynamic, it was that he felt that he was very, very commonly critical of her because he had watched his, both his grandfather and his father criticize their wives. And he had seen his, he'd grown up seeing his mother get criticized and his mother would be demure and fix the problem. And um, so he really saw himself in that sort of controlling dominant role. After he read the book, it really woke him up. He suddenly was like, wow, I'm a really critical guy. Mm -hmm. And he decided to change it. And she decided to become really, a, not only very powerfully attending to him, but very powerfully appreciating him because he is in fact, a real breadwinner, a hard worker, a really wonderful father. She started finding many, many ways to appreciate him. And they both just jumped into all five secrets and started taking them on intentionally. They were both keeping notes in their phone about the things they were doing. They were both actively being conscious about these actions. Their entire marriage shifted in a month. Wow. She said, I would have never said we were on the verge of divorce because we weren't. Yeah. But I would say that there were days that I just didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to hear it. If he was going to come at me with any criticism about the day or what happened in the house, I didn't want to hear it. Mm -hmm. And she said, so I would just tune him right out. <laughs> I was amazed at the shift in the two of them. And they're like, you see them now. And we do see them because we know them. They're like newlyweds. They're like holding hands. And there's this incredible affection between them because they both made some really sweet shifts and they both get that it really made things feel so much better. And so, 
I mean, this is a marriage that's over 20 years old. Yeah, no, that's encouraging. And it's also a great story because um, they were able, in his case in particular, he was able to see himself in there and, and agree and realize that he wanted to make that shift. Yeah, that's a great story. Yep. And conversely, we have another fun story that I'll share that's brief. It's, it's almost the opposite story. It was a woman who grew up in a really chaotic alcoholic house. She really had what she called major control issues. She just wanted to be in control. She didn't want the chaos that she'd grown up with. So when she got married, she was a real perfectionist in life. She was very, very driven in her work. And um, once she started having kids, they had to be perfectly clean and the house had to be perfect and everything had to be perfect. And, you know, of course, when you have little kids, chaos is breaking out every other minute. Nothing is perfect. Nothing (laughs) is perfect. And then they get earaches and colds. And, you know, I mean, your whole world gets thrown up in the air every time they get sick. And so, you know, she was really struggling and she was taking a lot of it out on her husband. She was very critical of him. Mm -hmm. She was always getting on him for the things he wasn't doing, the ways he wasn't serving the family, the ways he wasn't taking care of the kids. And And (laughs) he was backing up. I mean, everything, including intimacy, had backed off in their relationship. And when she started the shift, he hadn't even read the book. Right. He said it was like day and night. She stopped criticizing. She started looking for ways to appreciate him. She started looking for ways to appreciate her children. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, she took it on as a whole family enterprise and everything started to shift. And then her husband was like, what is going on with you? <laughs> and she held up the book and she said, I read this book and it really, it's really made me think about who I am and how I treat you. And he said, I love you. Like he just like moved right in and said, I just love you. And if this is the way you're going to be for the rest of our life, I'm going to adore you. <laughs> and their home. And then he said, give me that book. I need to read it. And so then he read it. And I mean, magic, magic, magic happened behind the scenes. I mean, they were just you know, I mean, he confidentially said to me, everything was better. Even there was more activity in the bedroom. They were just in every possible way happier. And it was just so sweet. I mean, we get these stories back. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Donna, you, do you want to add to that anything? Uh, Sure. Um, I I, I can't, Anna has these fantastic stories. I'll say two things. One is we have a friend who uh, was a podcast host, actually, who said to us that, uh, People get married, get married three times. First, you get married when you get married. Then you get married when you have, again, when you have kids, because the whole, the whole relationship changes because their yeah. circumstance totally changes, right? right? And then you get married together a third time when the kids leave home. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of our, you know, our, our work with the book and with Anna's work is, is certainly with young people, even before marriage. But also a lot of our work was with people who've been married for 20 years, mm-hmm. like the first couple she mentioned, or actually both couples, mm-hmm. uh, with people who've been married for a long time. And it's not terrible. It's not miserable, but it's not what it could be. Right. Yeah, our belief is that every marriage um, that, that can last can become just extraordinarily fulfilling. You know, there's so much untapped p- potential in so many of these marriages and so many marriages that exist. And our goal isn't just to prevent marriages from Mm self-destructing, but to help, you know, help tap the real potential that's in there. Go ahead. No, no, please. No, I was, no, I want to hear what you had to say. I was just going to say, you know, um, 
we met late in life, relatively late in life. We've, we've both been married before. We both have, have had the experience both of marriages that weren't fulfilling and didn't work out. And then this marriage, you know, that we've, that we've created together. And when, when we first got together, I had a transformational experience just getting to know Anna. This would be a personal, uh, personal story, uh, which is as a young man, I was endlessly inquisitive and curious and you know, had a huge appetite for learning and for knowledge. And I learned a lot about all of the things that I was active in, about music, classical music, my background, about education, about philosophy, about business. I was an entrepreneur for years. And so I would learn a lot about the world around me and how, to op how we operate in that world. I didn't put a lot of energy on the world inside me. I didn't, and I didn't know this, wasn't aware of this. I didn't realize this till much later, but I didn't really have a great deal of self-knowledge. And so when we first got together, um, I would be going through something, you know, relating to having, being separated from my kids, being separated from the world that I had known and, and going through some stress and tremor on that. And I would say, well, you know, how are you feeling about that? And it would bother me. I would get irritated. I mean, I wouldn't bark at her, but I would get frustrated because I don't know. I don't want to talk about that. And I only gradually realized the reason I want to talk about that was I didn't know how I felt. I really never asked myself that question. You're in your <laughs> and, head, not your heart. Is exactly. What. And so part of the story for me of our relationship is, is a gradual becoming more aware of and conscious of the world within, the world of what's going on in, inside me. And that's something that I think is the goal of our book. And we talk about five secrets. And they're really... We almost call them five habits because they really are simply daily habits of, of behavior, things you can do every day that are simple, that will make an enormous shift, like a tugboat turning an ocean liner. They're not massive effort. They're not, they don't take months. They take three minutes. But if you do them consistently every day, day in and day out, they start to turn the ocean liner. And of the five secrets, I'm just going to mention that the first four, this is true for every Go-Giver book, the first four are about giving, are about contributing to the other person. The fifth, we call it the thumb to the fingers. The fifth is the opposite, paradoxically. The fifth is about giving to yourself. And we call it grow. But what it really means, as it says in the book, every day, take a look at what you need to be healthy, fulfilled, and have a fully satisfying life, to be realized as a person. And then give yourself that. Find some simple way to give yourself that. A good part of the growth that we look for in the five secrets is growing in one's understanding of what's going on with oneself. This goes back to what we started out talking about the stories. What are the stories in my head? What am I feeling about this? How am I feeling about my spouse? What, am, what stories am I making up about her or him? How, I, how, how am I interpreting <laughs> what they're doing to me or, you know, whatever? And, and growing through communication and through introspection. There's um, just so many lessons here and so much to talk about. I would love, now see, this, this is what happened for waiting. I would love to have you come back again because that's <laughs> more to talk about, really. And, um, right? It's um, a rich subject. It totally is. And, and it can also be applied strictly to business. We just did a six-week seminar for a mastermind of business people, and we solely applied the five secrets to business. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Those, and, they, yeah. Yeah. All the time. I mean, every day I'm talking to people about whatever it is that, you know, if I'm teaching them about 
um, a LinkedIn profile and I'm building it with them. And their, their most important piece is the piece about them in the middle of the, the profile. And it looks like a resume. And I'm like, wait, we need to talk to these people that you want to attract. We need to say how you can help them. What is it that you solve for them? Make it about them, not so much about your accolades in this section, right? And people are very uncomfortable talking about themselves, but uh, in different ways. And it's fun to bring out what the piece ends up looking like. And John, as I said, I'm not a writer, but I kind of, I think I have a gift in helping them bring out what they should, their personality and bring it to their profile. So that's mm -hmm. back to the writing and the editing and all of that. But um, this has been wonderful and we do need to wrap it up. So I'm going to ask each of you to give me one tip for my audience or one piece of wisdom from your book, from whatever you like to, um, well, why should they buy this book? I think that has to be it because they do need to buy it. Totally. Sweetheart. Oh, I love that. <laughs> um, to me, um, I, I don't know if this is why to buy the book, but I feel that, you know, the most powerful growth in, in life is our own personal growth. And every single time we make any, even the most small steps in our own personal growth, you know, the reverberation in our world is, is massive and enormous. Um, I think that a lot of people are so focused on either trying to build their social media, build their marketing machine, build the, their ability to reach clients or, you know, build their, you know, ability in their work mm -hmm. um, or their leadership or, you know, we're putting so much energy in the world into just trying to make a living. And I think that, that people are experiencing stress in a very different way than we ever have historically. And I think that what gets lost in the middle is our personal relationships. Um, this book has a lot to do with those personal relationships, whether it's your siblings, your best friend, the guys you played basketball with, you know, um, the women you get together with once a week, um, or your parents, um, and especially your spouse. Because I think a lot of people, they want that safe harbor. They want a relationship where there's just this delicious affection between you. And what I want to say to people is that it's not only possible to wake it up, but make it be alive in a way that you will look forward on your drive home to seeing your spouse's face and being together for the evening, even if it's just going to be to park on the couch and watch Ted Lasso. You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, the two of you are going to have a good time, whether it's a bowl of popcorn and cuddling or what, but you know, it's just, um, it's just getting back to that place where intimacy and closeness and connection is really powerful. And that's the reason I would buy the book. Awesome. That's great. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I, um, again, I'm not sure this is the reason to buy the book, but here's what I'd say. The, uh, I'll talk about marriage, but this, this, but you can apply this to your relationship with your children, with your colleagues, with your partners and so on. In, in, in their contexts. Um, a lot of people view marriage as a ongoing compromise, as a context of compromise. Mm -hmm. 
because I've gotten, I've shared my life with you because you are in the house where I also live. Now my world has gotten smaller because I can't just do whatever I want. I have to be conscious of how you like things. And so there, I get limited. That limits my options. It limits my choices. I can't just pick up and go out bowling with my buddies all night. I have to think about you. What a drag, right? It's like now suddenly my life is compromised. In our view, it's the opposite. And that's what, that's what we, we really want the book to open people's eyes to. It isn't that your life gets smaller it, through this marriage. It's that your life gets larger. There's a line in the book where, where Jeremiah, the old COO, asks the young, the young man, Tom, in their interview, what's the purpose of marriage? And, and Tom doesn't really have an answer. I mean, procreation, uh, I don't know, you companionship. Is, so yeah, these are all things that are features of a marriage. What's the purpose? And his answer, Jeremiah's turns out to be that the purpose of marriage is to give yourself fully to another person and in the process, become your best self. See, I know for a fact that there are things about my life, there, there are things about what I'm doing now that would never have happened if Anna weren't here. I would never have become a novelist. I've just published my second novel. Right. I promise you, I would never have done that without mm -hmm. Anna telling me that I could when I didn't believe it. Um, and, and this is true in different, in different ways for every one of us. A marriage, if you give yourself to it fully, becomes a launching pad for you to become your best self. Anna called it a boomerang. And I want everyone to understand, this isn't just about making your marriage better, about making the other person's life better. It's a boomerang. It's about making your life be all that it could be. What a great way to end. We've come full circle. I love it. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, I know, and I meant it when I said, I'd love to have you come back, maybe together, maybe separately. I don't know. We'll have to see how that, that rolls out. Um, there's so much more to talk about, but thank you so much for being here. And if my audience wants to get hold of you, um, you gave me your social links, but is that good enough? Yep. Okay. Then they let's and, let's and give you the website. website. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The website, the website is simply the name of the book. The website is gogivermarriage.com. You find the book there, our social there. You can write to us there. We read all the email. There's all of our programs that we're doing. It's, it's all there on the website. That's where we shall go. And uh, again, thank you so much for being here to my audience. If you like what you heard today, please go and buy that book. Not because I'm getting commission, but because it's <laughs> actually made a difference to me, to me in a very short time in the way I'm thinking now about my marriage and the way I'm looking at things. But it's also about relationships in general, that how you look at people, how you listen to people, how you pay attention, all those things are part of these secrets that will make your life better in those relationships. So remember to write a review if you like what you heard and to stay connected and be remembered. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes. 
And remember to stay connected and be remembered.